When you go through the naturalization process and you make it all the way to the very end of the process, at the end, there's a test. It's called a citizenship test. For those of, who go through the naturalization process to become citizens of the USA, there is a citizenship test at the end of the process. Now, some call it a naturalization test. Others call it a citizenship test, and that's exactly what it, what it is. This citizenship test, or the naturalization test, it tests the knowledge of the individual. It tests the knowledge in a couple of areas. It tests the knowledge of that individual on U.S. history, U.S. law and civics, specifically the U.S. Constitution, and the English language. So a person who wants to be a citizen of the U.S. is tested on U.S. history, U.S. law, and the English language. Why? Because these are the things that are important for the citizen of the United States of America. Now, there's a lot of stuff on this test. I've never had to take this test because I'm a natural-born citizen. Amen? I never had to go through the, the naturalization process. It's, it's not as easy as you would think it is. Now, we just had a, a, a family member who went through this entire process. It happens to be my sister-in-law, Oni Trapia. She was a citizen of the nation of Peru, and she came here to the United States, and she married my brother-in-law, Sammy, and she went through the naturalization process. And she came to the end of the process, and she took the citizenship test to become a U.S. citizen. Now, Oni told us a little bit about the test. She said it's pretty exhaustive. There's a lot of stuff on there. I wonder how many of you tonight would pass the citizenship test to become U.S. citizens. Now, just like there's a test to become a U.S. citizen, there's also a test for being a, a naturalized citizen in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus, he's been preaching a message here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been preaching this sermon, and the sermon from the beginning to the end is all about, all of it is about being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You see, being apart with God, being in God's family, it's all about being a citizen of his kingdom. He told Pilate, yeah, I have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. It's the kingdom of heaven. And that's what God wants you and I to be a part of. He wants you to, uh, our, us to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so here in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, this Sermon on the Mount, it's been really this whole teaching on how to be Come how to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. You could say that the Sermon on the Mount is sort of a manifesto for the kingdom citizen, the kingdom citizen of heaven. So here we come to the closing remarks. We come to the closing few verses of chapter 7, the closing remarks of the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gives us a test. He gives us a citizenship test. Now, here's the question tonight. Are you ready for the citizenship test? Are you ready? Now, before you, when you came in here, you didn't know there was going to be a test. You didn't know there was going to be a test, but there's a test, and sometimes we don't know when the tests are going to come. It's like a pop quiz tonight, okay? 
Yeah, remember that? Remember from school, you'd show up, it's a pop quiz today. You better be ready. Now, here's the good news. The good news, there's only two questions on the test. Amen? There's only two questions. The bad news is there are no shortcuts and no cheat sheets for this test. The test is graded by an all-knowing God in real time. Woo, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's not like a Scantron type of thing, right? It's not going to be put in a computer. Now, if you fail the test, there's a way to get it right. There's a way to get it right. So are you ready? Let's look at and take the citizenship test for the kingdom of heaven. Here's the first question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let's look at it. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7. It says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The first question in your citizenship test is this. Do you know him? Do you know the Lord? You see, Jesus is finishing up the sermon, and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, one of the interesting things about him saying this and saying it the way he does, Jesus here, is, is, and it's an interesting note, that Jesus freely claims that he's the one people must stand before on the final day of judgment when they attempt to enter the kingdom, when they attempt to enter heaven. He's the one who is rightly called Lord. Because he says, look, in that day, many will say to who? To me. They'll say to me, Lord, Lord. And so it's an interesting thing, and I think this is, it's kind of an indirect claim of the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God. He is the Lord, and he's the king of the kingdom. And so he's the one that we're going to answer to. So people will stand before Jesus. We'll all stand before the Lord. We'll all meet the Lord face to face. And Jesus says here, he says, some will say, Lord, Lord. Some will articulate. They'll, they'll, they'll use their language. They'll use their verbiage. And they will say to Jesus, Lord, Lord. Wow. You think, man, if that be the case, You'd think they'd be ushered right in. Here they are standing before Jesus. They're saying, Lord, Lord. You'd think that that would be enough. The question is for this test is this. Is it a matter of linguistics? Is it a matter of linguistics? There will be people who call Jesus Lord, but that's as far as it goes. It's just a saying to them. It's just something that may at that time roll off their lips. They know enough to call him Lord, but there's something that is not right. There's something that's not right. I think we can deduce, I think we can conclude then, that it can't be a matter of just linguistics. It can't be a matter of just articulating the verbiage, Lord, Lord. It's got to be something more. Now we're told by Paul, 
the Apostle Paul, and specifically in his letter to the Romans, that confessing Jesus as Lord is the way to salvation. In fact, it's the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. He put it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I've got it up on your screen in the NIV. You should be very familiar with this particular verse, but this is what he says. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I remember on the occasions that I've taught this particular verse many times, and this is a verse that comes up all the time, especially when people want to know, what do I need to do to be saved? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you've got to declare with your mouth. Other translations put it this way, confess with your mouth. This one says, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But on careful evaluation, This is not and it cannot be an exercise in linguistics. It cannot just simply be saying the words, Jesus is Lord. It can't be. What it really is, it's an exercise of the heart. It's an exercise of the heart. You see, it's the heart that that says, Jesus is truly Lord of my life. It's with everything that I am, the heart, the soul, everything, the essence of who I am, that I can then verbally confess that, Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord. And so when my verbiage agrees with my heart, then that's the key that opens the door to the kingdom of heaven. Because I've confessed it with my heart using my verbiage to say to him, you are the Lord of my life. You're the Lord. And what does that mean to call him Lord? It means to say that he's the Lord. He's in charge. He's in charge of my life. You're the master. You're the ruler of my life. I am placing my life, all of who I am, and I'm placing it in your hands, Lord. I'm trusting you with everything that I am. And I'm declaring that you are Lord. So knowing him is a matter of the heart. So if we go back to the question, do you know him? Do you know him? It's a matter of the heart. The the mouth declares what the position of the heart is. So in order to be saved, your mouth must make the declaration of your heart that Jesus is Lord. Now, Jesus says in this text in Matthew, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. Now, look at this. People will plead plead their case. He says in verse 21, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and and they won't enter. Many, Many will say to me, verse 22, In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And so in verse 22, they're, they're kind of pleading the case. They're, they're, they're articulating. They're ma- hey, l- listen, Jesus, wait a second. Wait a second here. Have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out demons? Have we not done these things? People will plead their case. Now, there are two ways to look at this. One is that perhaps they did the things that appeared like those things. They appeared to do those things. Or in a better way to say it, they went through the motions. 
They, they, they really weren't doing them. They really didn't mean to do them or they really didn't have the heart, the intention to do those things with the right heart in the right way, in the, in the right motivation. But they were just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, they, 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 they tried to go over here and prophesy. They tried to go over here and act like they were casting out demons. They tried to go over here and do, do these other things. But, but you see, they, they, it was all linguistics. It was all a matter of show. It was all a matter of kind of playing the, the role, playing the, the actor. And you can go through the motions too and do all kinds of stuff. We can all go through the motions, we can go through the motions, and we can fill our lives with doing all kinds of stuff, and we can have the wrong motivations, and with no heart at all. The question is, do you know him? Is your heart in it? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Now, the other way to look at this, and, and uh, this was actually brought up to me by, by a commentator that I read on this particular passage, and he said this, Jesus does not seem to doubt their claims of doing the miraculous. He didn't say, no, you didn't really prophesy, or no, you didn't really cast out demons, no, you didn't really do miracles. This leads us to understand that sometimes miracles are granted through pretend believers. Could it be that, that they could have done something by some other power, some other way, that they did these things. And it reminds us of the value of doing things God's way and, and making sure that you're in league and in relationship with the one true living God. They even did these things in Jesus' name, they said. We did them. We, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. Yet they really didn't have a relationship of love and fellowship with Jesus. That was the bottom line. Spurgeon wrote this on this particular passage. He says, If preaching could save a man, Judas would not have been damned. If prophesying could save a man, Balaam would not have been a castaway. No, what we're really dealing with is something that God has dealt with with people all the way down through the, the, the years of history. And one of those places where God articulates this is in the book of Isaiah chapter 29, and you'll find it in verse 13. I'll actually have it up on the screen for you. God says this, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can almost feel the brokenness of, you know, the, it's the brokenheartedness of God. You know, wanting so much to be in relationship with his people. Wanting so much to, to have that relationship with Israel. Remember when Jesus looked at the city, looked at Jerusalem, and he said, Oh, I would have, oh, I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Oh, I would have gathered you, Jerusalem. But you would not. You wouldn't be gathered. You wouldn't be gathered, Jesus. The Lord wants to gather us. He loves us, and he wants us to be in that type of relationship with him. But the problem is people, won't, they don't want to be gathered. They don't want to be gathered to the Lord. Oh, I want to be gathered. Amen. Amen. Do you want to be gathered? Are you here tonight? You want to be gathered? I want to be gathered in, in the family of God. In the nation, the kingdom of God. 
And, and, and this is what was happening. What was happening in Israel at this particular time? What's happening here is that people have turned their hearts away from the Lord. Maybe they've gotten comfortable. Maybe they've been lured away by other things. They've, been, they've gotten into other activities. They've, got, they've dabbled in other things. They still have a little bit of the language. They still have a little bit of the tradition. They still have a little bit of the, 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 the trappings of all of it. But God says the heart's not there. The heart's not there. And Jesus says, I will say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's what Jesus is saying. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And he adds, he says, you who practice lawlessness. Now when I read this, and I've read this many, many times throughout my life, and I read that, and I'm thinking, wow, this is heavy, actually. This is heavy duty. And you might even think, well, that's rather harsh for Jesus to put it that way. He says, I never knew you who practiced lawlessness. And I looked at it, and I thought to myself, you know, the reality, the reality is this. If, if we haven't been brought near, if our hearts haven't been brought near, and and our lives covered by the blood of Christ, our sins forgiven, we haven't been brought into that right relationship with Christ, then we're still in a place of practicing lawlessness. You see, the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is this. The the non-Christian is carrying forth in their life in an unbroken course of lawlessness. There's never been a break. There's never been a moment when their lawlessness was dealt with. But you see, for the Christian, we've come, we've come face to face with the living God and we've fallen on our hands and knees and we've humbled ourselves before God and God has forgiven us and he's atoned for us and our lawlessness was dealt with. We were, although, though we were unrighteous, that he made us righteous. Though we were unholy and profane, he made us a holy thing. We, I talked about it on video a couple weeks ago for you, Right? That he made us a holy thing, that which was profane, he made us holy and sanctified and justified before him. And so if you and so if a person they can be they can be a great father, they can be a great mother, they can be a great person on the job, they can do all these things, but if you've never come into a right relationship with the Lord, the Lord is going to say to you on that day, depart from me because I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. But please hear tonight, please hear that he wants to gather you to himself. He, his heart is for you. There's nothing that he wouldn't do. And his, and, his, and his voice is calling out to you that you would come, that you would be gathered, that your sins would be forgiven, and that you would call him Lord from the very depths of your heart and the very essence of who you are and be saved. And be saved, and Jesus would say, from a wicked and perverse generation in other places. Wow. What should your desire be? What should our desire be? Paul put it as about as well as you can put it in, the, in Philippians chapter 3. He goes through his credentials. Hang on to the verse. Don't go to the verse yet. Paul goes through, if you read Philippians chapter 3, he goes through his credentials. He goes through, shall we say, his resume, his accomplishments. This is how it reads. 
He says this, if anyone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, if if you want to put confidence in yourself, in your flesh, if anybody here thinks that they have reason to do that, Paul says this, I have more. (laughs) I have more of a reason than you. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, according to the law, of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. Uh, uh, As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He's got it all listed there. He's got it all listed. If you think you want to be confident in what you can do, you want to be confident in, well, I'm a good guy. I'm a good, I'm a good girl. I'm a good gal. You know, I, 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 I take care of people. I'm good. Paul says, if you want to sit here and think that you have reason to believe and to have faith in yourself, I have more of a reason than you. But look what he says in one verse later. Philippians 3.8. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. <laughs> wow. He says, you know what? You can take all my accomplishments. You can take my pedigree. You can take my family tree. You can take it all, and you can throw it out in the trash heap. He says it's, he actually counted it as rubbish. Next to the ability to know God, to know Christ, to know the Lord. And so the first question on the test, amen, do you know him? Do you know him? Now, are you ready for the second question? The second question is this, do you hear him? Do you hear him? Let's look at verse 24. It says this, therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who uh, who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and all the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The second question on your citizenship test, yeah, the citizenship test for the kingdom of heaven is this. Do you hear him? Do you hear him? Do you hear Jesus? He's calling. He's speaking. He's spoken by his word. And the statement is this. If you hear Jesus' teachings and do them, then you're truly a citizen. If you answer, yes, I I, I hear the Lord. The Lord speaks to me, speaks to me through his word. I hear the Lord, and, 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 you've, and, and that, that hearing of the voice of your Savior has, has launched you into a place of doing the things that you hear the Savior saying. 
then you truly have been called, you truly are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Not only are you a citizen, but you're wise. You're a wise citizen. Because Jesus likens you to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Look at what he says in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so Jesus would say, hey, if you hear me, if you hear what I'm saying to you, and, 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 and you've You've said, well, I've got to do this. The the Savior is calling me. The King of the kingdom is telling me this over here. I've I've got to do this in my life. I've got to get this out of my life. Then, Then you're like a wise man who has built his house upon a rock. Built his house upon a rock. And if you build on a rock, you've got a firm foundation. You've got a true foundation. Now, if you don't hear Jesus' teachings and you don't do them or you hear them and you don't do them, then Jesus says you're like a man who built his house on the sand. He built his house on the sand. And we're not talking about building a house like on a sand, like a beachfront sand lot over here, you know, getting a nice piece of property on A1A over here and having it all leveled out by some company and compounded out and make it a foundation where we can put some, you know, put a nice condo in there. No, no, no. Just going out here into the dirt, into the sand, and, and just, just, just starting to build, just starting to do whatever, build something. Build some type of structure. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about building on the sand. And if you build on the sand, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea to just go out into any lot. I remember when we had our house built. They didn't just come out and say, okay, we're just going to start putting, we're just going to put the footings in, we're going to put the concrete, we're going to lay the slab. No, no, no. They came out there and they had a whole day where a guy did nothing but with a big machine and he pounded that dirt down, he pounded the whole lot down. And he built it up into a foundation, and then they came out and laid a foundation. Then they poured the footings. Then they put that. So, so what Jesus is saying is here, he's, he's not really contrasting, comparing and contrasting someone who goes out here and goes, hmm, I think I want to build on a rock. I think that'd be a good idea. And, and you got a guy over here who goes, you know what? I guess that's good for him, but you know, I saw this sandlot over here. I'm going to go. No, no, no. He's not talking about that. He's talking about one who chooses wisely and one who's just doing what whatever it is in his life and hasn't given thought to the foundation in his life. And this is what Jesus is saying. And if you build on a sand, if you build on a sand, it's, it's just, it's not a good idea. It's shifting sand. And you've all seen pictures of stuff that, you know, wiped away, just, you know, buildings just being swept away by whatever it is. question for us is, will, will we be wise? Will we choose a firm foundation like the rock? Or, or will we be foolish and go through life in a haphazard fashion? Just kind of like, you know, I've been trying to teach my boys about making good decisions. And I said, and I've been t- teaching them this point. I said, you know, a good decision is like a good firm building block. And you make a good decision 
and you, and you put that block down, and then you make another good decision, and you got another good block, and, and you start making enough good decisions in your life, that it all starts kind of stacking up in your favor a little bit. But you see, you make a bad decision, you make a foolish decision, and what does it do? It sets you back, especially if it's really critical, if it's like a, some type of financial decision. You know, you buy the, you buy the wrong car, you, you, you didn't read consumer reports or whatever, and you get like a junker, you know, whatever. You're always at the shop. You know, the lesson is get a Toyota. Get a Toyota, right? No, 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 no. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but what Jesus is talking about is, is making a, a decision in your life where you're making a firm foundation. You're building on the firm foundation. Now, what is the firm foundation? The firm foundation is Christ Jesus. He's the rock. He's the sure foundation for the believer. And we do that by hearing Jesus and doing what his word says. That's how we build on the rock of Jesus in our lives. It's like, well, yeah, I'm building on a firm foundation. Well, how are you doing that? How are you building on a firm foundation in your life? Well, Jesus, the whole text here, the whole point of this little passage is if you hear my teachings, if you hear me, and you're doing those things, you're responding to what I'm saying to you to do in your life, wow, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you a wise person that has decided to build your house upon the rock, a rock of a firm foundation. So how is it that we are to build a firm foundation in our lives on the rock of Christ Jesus? By hearing Jesus and by doing what he says to us when we hear him. Amen? The question of the citizenship test is this. Do you hear him? Amen? That's the question. The question is, do you hear him? Well, maybe we back up and ask another question. I, I like asking questions, right? That's how you learn, by asking a lot of questions. Maybe you say, well, do you hear him? How do I do that? How about this question? How do we hear him? How do we hear him? How do we hear the Lord? How do we hear Jesus speak in our lives? We hear him through the words, his words, the word of God. Amen? That's how we hear him. That's one way. We hear him in the teaching of the word. We hear him in that inner witness of his spirit in our lives. We have an inner witness of, 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 of him in our lives. If we're truly walking with him, if we truly are walking in a right relationship with him, we have an inner witness of the Holy Spirit, of the spirit of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we hear him. And, and remember in the Old Testament how it was worded, that, that still small voice behind all the stuff. There's that still small voice. And we hear him. And we learn to hear him. Now, Jesus wrote in the book of Revelation, remember, I'll tie this into the, the Wednesday night teaching and then we'll draw it to a close, okay? In the book of Revelation, Jesus told John, he says, write down this stuff, right? So you're going to just hold on, buckle up, <laughs> all right, <laughs> and just write this stuff down. What, write what stuff down? The stuff that you saw, the things that are, and the things that will come after these things. That's the outline of the book of Revelation, by the way. So anyway, and it's Jesus' outline in verse 19 of chapter 1. But in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven different churches in Asia Minor. Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And he wrote these seven letters, and John writing down what Jesus said. And in each one of those letters to those seven churches, Jesus 
said this, and I'll read it in the first letter, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and I'll have it up on the screen. This is what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, who has an ear? Right, yeah, yeah, you got an ear? How, you got two ears? Now, I, we, we have an old friend that was fought in Vietnam, and he, he, uh, he literally pulled a grenade and pulled it up by his ear, and he's about to throw it, and I think it was shot in his hand, and it exploded, and he lost almost all of the skin on one side of his body. And so he lost his ear. But they gave him like this plastic ear. And he would go into churches and he would come and, and visit and preach and sing and everything. And, and, and he had like all of his fingers here, like two or three of them here. And he had like one or two here. And he would be playing the piano and he'd be talking to everybody. And then he'd take his ear off and he'd play by ear. And, uh, <laughs> and that was his joke and it still goes over tonight. And I'm not even him. So anyways, I guess it was pretty good. So Dave Reaver is his name if you've ever seen him around. But anyways, yeah, he used to play by ear. But how many of you have an ear? Now, I want to submit to you tonight that Jesus is not talking about a physical ear here. He's not talking about a physical ear. He's talking about a different kind of ear. He's talking about an ear of your spirit. He's talking about hearing that inner witness. He's talking about hearing him speak to you as a member of the kingdom, as a member of the church, as a kingdom citizen, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to you, to the church. Now, you can hear the scriptures read audibly. You have heard tonight, you have heard the scriptures read audibly. We've read several scriptures. I've read the last two portions of Matthew 7. I've read a verse in Philippians. I've read a verse in Isaiah. I read a verse in Revelation tonight. We've read a lot of scripture. And you are here and, and you heard that audibly. You heard the words. You heard the linguistics. You heard the language, the syntax. You, you heard the thoughts. You heard, the, you heard all of it. But the question is, did you hear it? You see, that's what Jesus is talking about. See, there's a lot of people that can hear a lot of things, but I think this is a message for the church today. This is a message for the church today that they need to hear. Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church? To you, are you hearing? Because Jesus says, if you hear my teachings and you do them, I'm going to call you a wise man, a, such a wise man that you're the type of person that you'd built your house upon a rock. I want to be that man. I want to be that guy. I want to be a guy like that, and I want to hear what the Spirit would have to say to me. I want to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. You can, you can audibly hear the Scriptures read. You can audibly hear the Scriptures taught and not hear. You can read it yourself and not hear it. The hearing is that Jesus is talking about here is hearing with the heart. Are you hearing with your heart? Your, are you, not, not, your, not your physical heart. Are you hearing with your person, your spirit, your soul? 
are you hearing the Lord? And, and, and he's speaking to you, and he speaks to you. When, when, the, when the word goes forth, when, when you come in on Saturday night or Wednesday night, or, or you're, you're going through your devotions or reading some type of a, uh, you know, you're reading in the word, you're, you're hearing the word, but, it, but, but the kingdom citizen needs to be hearing in two ways. We need to be hearing audibly, but we also need to be hearing in the spirit. We need to be hearing from the heart so that we can hear from the heart and do from the heart and thereby be, be kingdom citizens. Amen? So the question, the last question that I'll leave you with here tonight is this. Are you hearing with the heart? Maybe you've been here for a while, you've been coming for a few weeks, and you've heard sermons, and you've heard teachings, and you've even said, well, that, that, was, a, that was an okay point, or that was not too bad, or that was a good story, or, you know, the Dave Reaver joke, that was funny, you know? And, and, and you've heard these things. The question is, are you hearing with your heart? Are you hearing with your heart? Now, I want to give you, I want to close with just some ways, some pointers on how to hear how to hear Jesus in your life. Amen? And I think I've got, let's see, how many do I have? Three, to keep it simple, right? Let's not, let's not, too, let's not make it too, too difficult. Prepare your heart to hear, number one. Prepare your heart to hear. Prepare your heart. What do you mean, prepare my heart? You know, Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4, he taught a parable about the word going out. And he talked about the people's hearts, and he talked about four different kinds of hearts out there. And, he, and the hearts were all compared to soil, dirt. And the question in that passage in Mark chapter 4 is, what kind of soil are you? There was, there was rocky soil. There was soil that has thorns and thistles in it. There was a, a soil like that soil on the roadside, the wayside, that real kind of hard wayside, roadside, like the, you know, like the shoulder of the road and then he says then there's good soil in the, if you read that passage in the first few verses of mark chapter four you get to the end of it and you say well, i want to be good soil i don't want to be wayside i don't want to be you know rocky soil i don't want to be the thorns and thistle soil i want to be the good soil so how 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 can i be the good soil prepare prepare your heart to hear Prepare the soil of your heart. Go through that passage in Mark chapter 4 and say, what do I need to do to make sure that my heart is good soil so that I'm prepared and ready to receive the word that it's given out into my life? Do I need to get rid of some of the cares of the world that's going on in my life, that say, the things that are just crowding in and, and I've got to do and I've got to be and I've got to do? And, and, and Jesus would say to you, get rid of some of that in your life, simplify so that you can hear the word of the Lord when I speak to you. Maybe you're that wayside soil. You're just so crusted over. You just, you know, the word is sown. The teaching goes out. The word is taught. And you're just kind of like, well, it's not too long before the enemy has just come in like that bird in the parable and steals away the seed and eats it away. Maybe you got, you got too, too many rocks in your soil. Whatever it is, get rid of the rocks Get rid of the thorns and thistles. And if you're wayside, then you got to just ask Jesus, come and just turn, you know, you got to come in with a plow, <laughs> right? You know, the fallow ground, the hard ground, the, the, the farmer has to come in with the blade. What movie was that that we saw 
um, was a horse movie where the guy, the boy, had the horse and he had to, he had to plow the fields. And I, re- and, and I remember that because I'm thinking, man, this boy, he's got to go out here and he's got to plow this field with this horse and, and he can't do it. And finally, finally he plows the field. The, 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 the blade gets under through that soil and turns it over. Underneath that crust was a dark, rich soil. I believe you've got a dark, rich soil under there somewhere. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to turn over the fallow ground, you can hear. So number one, prepare your heart to hear. Number two, position and posture yourself to hear. Position and posture. What do you mean by that? You can position and posture yourself. And what I'm saying, I'm talking about spiritually here. Because you can position and posture yourself even physically, and you're not positioned and postured spiritually, and you're not ready to hear. The physical example is, I don't know where it clicked for me, somewhere it clicked, some, some, somewhere the light bulb went on and I walked into the classroom and I said, you know what, I'm not sitting in the back anymore. If I'm going to learn this, i got to sit in the front. And I became a front row guy. Now, I'm not, that's, this is physical, okay? So this is a physical, you say, well, I don't want to sit in the front row because you might spit on me up there, <laughs> you know? But be, what I'm saying is be a front row sitter in your heart. Be a front row sitter. I tell, you tell the boys. Everyone knows, every teacher knows. The people that are front row sitters are the closest to the action. They're right there that the teacher, they, could, they get the anointing of the sweat coming off of the teacher right there on the front row, right? And if you're a front row sitter, wow, you're going to grow. You're going to learn. You're going to go far. God's going to do something awesome. Now remember, I'm speaking spiritually here. Be a front row sitter spiritually. What does that mean? That means that when the word, when you're reading the word, man, I think it's tough sometimes, isn't it, in our day and age? We're so distracted. We've got so many screens of TVs in our rooms and screens all over the place and screens upon top of screens. And, and, and we've got to sit down, and we've got to read the word. And I got to go. Wait a second. I got to be a front row sitter, so I can read this text, this passage this morning, so I can hear what the Lord is saying to me in this passage. So you've got to do that, whatever that means. Now, if if it's in your own quiet time and reading the word, you've got to do it. If it's in a, when you come into the service. You can position and posture yourself to hear in that way. Sometimes people come in, they're so distracted from the things, of the, and, 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 and they're just not positioned and postured to hear. And God has a word. You've got to come in for every service. I don't care if it's here. I don't care where it is. Well, actually, I do care where it is. But if you're going to a service, 
You need to go into that service with an expectation that God is going to speak to you, that the still small voice of the Spirit is going to speak to you, that he's got a word for you tonight or tomorrow or whenever it is, that God's going to speak to you. I think so many people have got, we, 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 I believe probably the church is filled with people that are going through the motions. Now, it's exciting. It's great. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got screens up on top of screens. But let's be a people that are coming in ready to hear, ready to, ready, knowing that God has a word for us. Yes. Amen. 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 Position and posture yourself to hear. Uh, number three. Listen for his voice in the scripture. Listen for his voice in the scripture. What do you mean his voice? Isn't the words on the page, isn't that, isn't that his voice? Didn't they record? I mean, these are the red letters, right? Did, didn't, wasn't Matthew, the, the Levi, the, uh, the tax collector uh, turned disciple, didn't he record these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we could have record of them and now we've got them and we can read them? No, what I'm telling you is hear the voice behind the, the words. Hear the voice behind the words. You, hear, you want to hear the voice of, the, of your Savior speaking to you. You want to hear the voice of your loving Father speaking right to the center of your heart. Because when you allow the Lord to speak right to the center of your heart, Jesus can do more in that moment than he can for you listening to 16,000 Bible studies. And I'm all about Bible study, and I'll sit there and listen to about 16,000 of them with you. And I'll spend 16 weeks in the book of Jude, 24 verses. Okay? But I'm here to tell you, prepare your heart and listen for the voice of your Savior in the Scriptures. Amen? We could go on. James said it this way, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Be doers of the word. And this is what the Lord. Now, if you get into the argument with James, I'll close with this. Did I, ever, did I already say I'd close with something? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm going to close with this. You get into what James is saying there in that passage, and he's basically saying, look, you can be a person who says all the right things, and you look like you're dotting all the right I's and crossing all the right T's. And he says, show me the heart. Show me by the fact that God has moved you in your life. And I'll show you a person who follows the Lord. He says, because if you hear and don't do, he says, you're like a person who looks at yourself in the mirror and walks away and forgets what you look like. That's what he, call, he says. So be a doer. Okay, let's wrap it up. The close. Two questions on the citizenship test. Do you know him? And do you hear him? Now remember what I said in the opening. If you fail the test, there's a re, there, you can retake it. Amen. You can come to the Lord tonight. You can get those things right with Jesus tonight. You don't even have to walk out this door tonight not knowing that you haven't made it right with Jesus.